Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sunfire Tavern podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Sunfire Tavern. And today I'm joined by my lovely co-host, uh, Clark. Clark, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing well. You know, uh, it's been uh, it's been a week of a lot of video games for me. I've been playing a lot of different video games this week. Oh, um, okay. Well, yeah. it's not really been the same for me because I'm in the process of. Uh, uh, well, buying real estate, I guess, would be the, the oh. thing. So I'm buying a house. So I've wanted to play a lot of video games this week, but unfortunately, every five seconds, it's been a phone call from someone saying like, hi, Mr. Baldwin, uh, we're your mortgage shamans. Uh, we're here to make <laughs> sure that your your new property is not cursed by the god Cthulhu. And I'm like, well, I don't have a mortgage shaman, so I guess I need one. Like, sure, you go ahead and do that. Like, That sounds great. And it's been a very confusing week. <laughs> I can imagine. You, yeah. know, you don't want to have a cursed property no but it just it. Th- there's people that kind of do all these parts of, of buying a house that you have no idea about like and it just gets more and more complicated the more deep into it and i'm, I'm now at the point where, I, where yeah. i'm like i've understood it all i'm just like you know what you guys are paid to do this you guys all go and do your bit and then just give me the keys at the end and then we'll, we'll, we'll go on from there yeah. so it, it's yeah. just yeah it's, it's been a week but no video games for me apart from uh, paper mario which i've been playing a little bit of Ooh, yeah. Uh, was this the remaster that came out? Uh, no, so it's a new one. It's um, Paper Mario the Origami King, and it's ah. been, been released on Switch last week. Um, and it's frighteningly average. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> so I, have, I haven't really played um, the Paper Mario games before, but I know they're RPGs, right? Yes, they are. They're like RPG lights. They're almost like if you were to build a training system for an RPG, like a JRPG, um, these would be the things that you would kind of push people at. Um, right. And I'm finding this one is... So they always try to add like a new game-changing mechanic each time they, 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 they make a Paper Mario title. And this one just isn't really landing on me because they've got this combat system that's like a series of rings and all the creatures are kind of randomly standing on all the rings and you have to line them up in a certain order so that you can hit them effectively but that's it like it doesn't really ever get any more complicated than that and it feels like they've taken final fantasy and just added a round of sudoku to each battle and it's like okay so this is weird and the puzzles are not exactly very difficult i don't really know what they're trying to do with it and it it just feels like a failed experiment but the game itself is charming the writing's hilarious. Like at some points, the writing is so well aware, which is unusual for like a a, a Nintendo title. Usually, they're quite um, in, like like you can tell the writers are trying to be safe rather than funny. Whereas in this right. one, they're very much trying to be funny rather than safe. Um, but it's good. It's 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 an average game. I I would recommend a sale purchase if people are going to be buying it. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I might might uh, have a look out for it in a sale. Um, <laughs> Yes, in yeah. a sale. You know, whenever Nintendo do one of those in a blue moon, which is rare, yeah. and when they do, it's like yeah. this sixty-pound game is now fifty-four ninety-nine. Get it? Well, it's hard. Oh, it's like, oh cool. yeah, saving five pounds. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, um, that's been my week, um, and yeah, so that's been fun. Oh, that's cool, man. I mean, you got pa- you know Paper Mario and uh, paper signing papers to get a house. Yeah. Oh, if my name was Mario, I'd be signing paper Mario, but I'm not. There you go. Um, <laughs> so what have you been playing this week, Ollie? I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a guess. Is it Ghost of Tsushima? No, no I have okay. not yet gone to Ghost of Tsushima. I have finally gotten around to... I think I was saying last week that I'd started Ori, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest. Oh, but, cool. Um, I have finally finished the first game. So I finished Ori in the Blind Forest, and I started Ori and the Will of the Wisps. 
and I am blown away at how <laughs> good that game is so far. So, um, the the second one or the first one? Yes, the sec the second one. The first one was was solid. It was very good. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had my I had a lot of problems with uh the pacing of it. Um, I was kind of, you know I'm kind of one of these people where it's like if you're gonna hide movement mechanics from me, you know, like double jumping, dashing, yeah. uh, the titular Ori ability where you can kind of ping pong off of projectiles. I think it's called a bash. Yep. That's what it's called in the game. Um, you know, just give that to me early, you know, like I, I, because why do I have to play the game for like two hours for it to then open up and then be fun? If you get what I mean. And I understand that from a design perspective, it might be like, you know, you're trying to introduce players slowly over time. And I guess that's maybe just because I'm, you know, more literate with platformers and stuff like that. I'm kind of like one of these people who's like very impatient. I'm being quite impatient. I'm like, just, you know, give me everything now, you yeah. know, and I'll, and I'll work it out as I, as, as I play it. Right. Um, but yeah. So, and the other thing with, with the first Ori is that I felt like the combat was kind of not very thought out. It was kind of like tacked on um, where it was kind of like, instead of it being sort of like a distinct, you know, you have moves and abilities and stuff like that. It's kind of just like you mash square when you're near an enemy and you just <laughs> DPS them. And just kind um, of roll around and, a little bit and, and occasionally take damage is how I found the combat. Yeah, basically, right. right? You know, that, that that's why that, 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 and it didn't feel very like uh, visceral to me, right? But the second Ori, I, have you had a chance to play it? Uh, no, so I haven't actually finished the first one. I got to... Where did I get to? Uh, easily about 90% through the game. Uh, yeah. And then my save corrupted. And I was just oh. like, oh, well, save corruptions are a, a, a bane of my existence. It happens all the time. Um, mm -hmm. And I did just kind of get to the point where I was like, I could play this again from, from scratch or I could just move on to something else. And I think 40 million other games came out that week. So I was like, <laughs> okay, probably going to play them instead. And just never got, yeah. I've actually started playing it again recently on the Switch because it's mm. a really good game to play on like the train or whatever. And because I'm traveling quite a bit at the moment. Um, like, I can imagine. Yeah. It's and great, it, yeah, it, it really does play well on the Switch. It's, it's a lovely game to play, like, handheld. Um, yeah. So no, I didn't get to the second one yet, but how, how are you finding the second one? It is, like, probably my game of the year so far. Wow. In terms of um, how much I'm blown away by it. The visuals are, the like, the best like 2D visuals I think I've seen in a game. Uh, I am very blown away. I'm just, like, blown away at the level of detail in the environment and the uh like the physics on all of the, like the tiny little parts of like you know the forest and the lighting and the attention to detail like there's 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 this one scene so i've been streaming it to uh some some friends at the same time while i've been playing and there's just this one there's one moment where like you're kind of jumping through a waterfall and you know they really didn't need to make you know add all these like water shaders and water effects when you're jumping through the waterfall and they did but i think like simultaneously all of us when we were watching it we were just all like holy shit like, at the <laughs> same time just like this game is, just looks so good it, it is um, gorgeous like the the fact that it, the, the fact that i have to keep in mind as well is it's all hand drawn yeah like and then you, you look at that and you're like my god i can't even draw a house without it looking like a an upside down happy meal box like <laughs> the talent that goes into these games is is just yeah. mind-blowing and especially now like so i'm starting to find that gaming is is becoming very difficult to penetrate for, for smaller studios so like mm. in this indie studios and stuff they're not really getting the noise they were five or ten years ago mm. um and for a game like ori to kind of shine through like that and to also for you to say like maybe your game of the year is is insane because the, like right now we're in the world of like franchise destruction 
So yes. like we're getting, um, I mean, what is it this year that we've had franchise-wise? We've had uh, Crash Bandicoot. We've had, um, I can't think of any franchises now. My brain has gone completely dead. <laughs> uh, Call of Duty. Um, who? I don't know which called Last of Us 2. I mean, that's not really a franchise. It's not like a long-running franchise. Yeah, I, I, so I, I tend to think that sequels are fine. Okay. And then when you get to trilogy pieces, you're kind of pushing it, and then anything after that, you're heavy locked into franchise. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, so we also we also, I mean, we talked about it last week quite quite a bit about how franchises are kind of rolling along, and yeah, if you don't age really of remasters, have, and... yeah, the age of remasters, and if you don't really have a heavy uh, franchise presence, you're not really going to be successful. Uh, mm. And I understand why. I know why the industry works in that way, and I see that. But it's really cool to see something like Ori shine bright, even though you're extremely wrong about Game of the Year because it is Animal Crossing. <laughs> uh, it is going to be game of the year uh, but I, I, I now allow me to argue because i have a reasoning for this and it's because if if, if i was to look at every game that came out this year that there, there are multiple that i would award game of the year to on my opinion of just the game alone but animal yeah. crossing came out in this moment when the whole world was really struggling yes um, you know things weren't good people were locked away they had nothing to do and it actually gave people this little bit of positivity in their day-to-day and mm. that, to me, is why it's a very important uh, release, because while the game itself is amazing, it's a beautiful game, it's really chilled and relaxing, it, it gave people this opportunity to kind of step away from COVID for a little bit and just be like, yeah. you know what, I'm just going to build a really cool little tropical island and enjoy it and, and you know, cut the grass and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I, 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 th- I think you would have probably seen the same impact if they released, like, um, Harvest Moon or something. or Like Stardew uh, Valley. Exactly like that. Like, yeah. You would have seen the same impact. And that's why, to me... While I do agree, Ori, uh, the Ori sequel is probably worthy of Game of the Year, or maybe even The Last mm. of Us Two, because let's be real, it probably is going to be The Last of Us Two. Um, it doesn't matter whether yeah. it's good or not; it's just because it's one of the top studio yeah, games. Like, yeah, that's why. Uh, um, I do think Animal Crossing really did stand out this year as like just just something so unique. Yeah, like, I, I definitely great. agree. Yeah, I definitely agree that Animal Crossing came at like um, a perfect time. You know, it, it it like what you said, like it was kind of like this shining beacon of hope when things were like really rough because, you know, the whole all the pandemic was just starting and lockdown was just starting. Uh, and it definitely, you know, and I've I've heard so many stories and so and, you know, per, you know, stories from people that I know personally and, you know, also just reading online. Yeah. Where like, you know, Animal Crossing was kind of there for them uh, in this time where like they didn't really have much else to do. And it was like a really nice escape. Um so yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think Animal Crossing winning winning game of the year so far would be fair. Um, but man, uh, just in terms, of, I think for me, it's just kind of one of these experiences of going from you know uh, a pre you know going from a first game like RE One and kind of being like, coming away from it and being like, yeah, that was nice, that was good, uh, and then seeing like the second game basically, you know, kind take every every it. yeah like yeah. like every every problem that I had with the first game and kind of just like solved it in like a really really good way you know like you get all the abilities relatively quickly like the movement abilities relatively quickly the combat is now like um impactful impactful like uh they've changed it so you know now i mean you can very much see how it's been very influenced by uh other metroidvanias like hollow knight uh for example that came out in between ori 1 and ori 2 you can definitely see the uh um influence which, which is but, also a continually impressive game like oh, yeah. I, 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 ne- I never finished it uh, I think this is my hobby like getting halfway through a game or three quarters of the way through a game and then just giving up on it but mm-hmm. uh, hollow knight had all of the things that make a great game for me especially the music uh, oh. apologies for the siren if you can hear it as well it's um the area that i'm in is very um police rich 
um but no so so hollow knight was um one of these games where I, I went into it because it was on offer or something when i bought it and i didn't really know mm-hmm. anything about it started playing it and um there was just this moment where um i think i just got past the first boss and then the music for green something oh, started playing um... And I, I listen to this track all the time. Yeah, and I was genuinely it. like, yeah. holy crap, this is not just good music. This is like masterful music. Like, this is incredible. Yeah. And it's it's something that, again, I feel is missing from uh, a lot of games these days. And it's that um, molding between the music, the gameplay, the design, the world. Like, um, yeah, the I, whole I re- package, right? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the only other time I've really seen that is in Rayman Legends um, with the mm. musical levels, if you played them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, just the fact that the, the level is is progressing to the music, but it's also building to the music as well. And you can see some developer probably sat there and had a nightmare of a month coming up with that and just being like, "I don't know how to do this. This is too confusing." And mm. they built these beautiful levels that were more about that they were like music videos. Watching them, they were so good. And I yeah. just think that's missing um, in a lot of games now. But yeah, sorry, I kind of over went off. No, on, no, no. Uh, I keep going off on tangents today. <laughs> That's, no, that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, speaking of tangents, I kind of, you know, after gushing all about Ori, I forgot to kind of go into like the the schedule of what we're going to be discussing. Today. That is a good uh, point. We are what are we? Eleven minutes in. <laughs> Eleven minutes in. What are we um, going to talk about? Yeah, uh, I guess you know that kind of covers like the the what we've been playing, I guess, uh, on the whole. But you know, uh, in terms of news topics that's coming up, we're going to be discussing um, sort of the Nintendo Mario the thirty fifth. Is that right? 35th, 35th anniversary? Yeah, 35th anniversary uh, of Mario. For, for Mario, uh, which is awesome. Uh, we're talking about cinemas reopening. What are we waiting to see? Um, and then Clark's put a topic here, which is hot fuzz <laughs> and the lack of great referential movies, which I am <laughs> dying to hear yeah. about. I'm, I have no idea. We'll get to that. It's fun. There, there, is, there is a point. There is a point. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And um, the last topic is, I guess we kind of just touched on it a little bit, maybe it's a little teaser, uh, musical moments in gaming. Yeah, so, so this schedule is kind of the result of uh, we we initially had a plan to have a guest on tonight, and the guest yes. uh, cancelled at the last minute, unfortunately. Well, not last minute, unfortunately, cancelled uh, a little bit late, um, and mm. we had to kind of scrabble together with some points. And unfortunately, as well, this has not really been a very impactful week in gaming news or movie news or whatever, because now that we are coming to the end of the the lockdown period, and we're probably looking at another lockdown, but whatever. Um, <laughs> now that we're coming to the end of that, like a lot of companies are just working; they're not really just they're not announcing anything and things aren't happening with the exception of Nintendo who are being heavily leaked on this Mario anniversary Mm. Um, to the point where last week there was a leak showing um, Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy and Mario 64 on on a single cartridge for Switch. Mm. Uh, These are not remasters. They're re-releases that have widescreen added to them and that's it. But again, to be clear, these are leaks uh, and not official leaks. They're not from Nintendo. They're from like third-party seller websites that have uploaded images of these this box art and then pulled it down super quickly because they've realized they've uploaded it too early. Yes. Which is how most gaming leaks work. Um, so you can put some level of confidence in the fact that it might be real. Plus, Nintendo have been teasing all year this year about how they're ready to set up for this big bash for Mario's 35th. Yep. And it would make sense to release things like Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy, and Mario 64. I mean, it's definitely a easy, you know, easy move for Nintendo to get an extra buck, if you know what I mean. Oh, it's and, not going to be I an mean, extra buck. It's going to be a, a cash cow. It's going to be ridiculous. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, they are all fantastic games as well, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, I, I guess you played all three? Yep, I've yep. played all three. Um, and controversial question, of those three, which would you say is mm, the best? 
Because mm. I get very differing answers on two specific games in, the, in this list. I am a Sunshine apologist. Right. So I love, I loved Mario Sunshine. I know a lot of people disliked it or didn't really like it compared to Mario 64 or Galaxy, but um, I absolutely loved Mario Sunshine. Well, um, I love Sunshine. Loved it. Okay. Uh, good. But I found it extremely difficult end game. So mm. when when you got to the point where you were just collecting stars for no reason other than just collecting them, that bit yep. got super difficult. Whereas Mario yes. Galaxy, I think start to finish was just a flawless experience. Mm. Right. It was one of those games where every moment of it I enjoyed. It was constantly delivering surprises. Um, the difficulty never spiked to a point where I couldn't do it anymore, but it did get harder. Uh, and yep. the, the music was just oh. like. It's indescribable how good the music is for that game. And it's so yeah. bizarre because it came from this like series where the music's never really been that impactful. It's always been like um like bloops and bleeps and kind of eight bitty or sixteen bitty music. And it's always just been present, but it's never really been amazing. Feel... Apart from a few of the tracks in maybe Mario sixty four were really amazing as well. Mm, I think I think all of the I mean I'm I'm of the audience where I think all like a lot of the Mario music's really good or at least it's been very influential right you know like you, you name someone who hasn't heard the original mario theme where you start singing it yeah, or yeah. you know you start you go like yeah exactly right yeah, I, I think but i guess maybe that's just more because of mario as a whole in terms of it being like this hugely popular and very early uh platformer right but um yeah i think uh, the, the music in in galaxy is phenomenal uh, Gusty Garden Galaxy yeah. is one that I still go back and listen to. And um, what, what, what's it called? Uh, Good Egg Galaxy? Good Egg? Yes, Good, Good Egg. Egg. Yeah, Good Egg yeah, Galaxy. They're two great, pieces of music tracks. that are, are always in my Spotify playlist. Like every, every time it comes up with recommended, it's those two tracks. And I'm like, yep, okay, mm-hmm. we can listen to those again. Yeah, they're fantastic. Which, which um, is amazing. But then, um, so a sidebar, but into Smash Brothers here, um, mm. the Sunshine soundtrack was never really something that kind of I, I remembered. I always remember mm. the kind of like the kind of like bongo-y noise that was that was in the background yeah. of all the tracks, and then that thing, yeah, yeah, just it's one of the most catchy tunes ever made, Delfina Plaza. So that's actually the track I'm talking about. Delfina Plaza got a remix in Smash Brothers, and the remix is disgustingly good. Like it is, it's so good. And yeah. Like to the point where, whenever we're doing Smash Nights with uh, with an LGBT group, I'm in uh, with mm. London Gamers. Plug to London Gamers there. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever we're doing London Gamers uh, Smash Nights, um, whenever we've got the lobby built, I'm always picking the Delfina Plaza music, the, the <laughs> remix one, because it's just so funky to listen to. Yeah. And now, maybe more recently, I'm picking the Undertale track because it just got, it got added to Smash recently, yep. and uh, it is very nice to have that in there. Uh, which is me- megalovania i think it's called yeah megalovania i still yes. can't believe they added sans and uh <laughs> it was such and, a troll as well honestly the the reaction some of the reaction videos to um the sans reveal some of the funniest uh some of the funniest things i've, I've seen just yeah just watching people lose <laughs> their minds because it was such a huge meme uh yeah, for smash it, as a whole right and then it, they actually finally did it but it got is, to the point uh, where it obviously wasn't going to get added like no one yeah. believed it was going to so th- here's the thing as well um as smash was leading up to launch we went to uh paris games week and hmm. we got we got to play it at paris games week and we played the uh what version did we play it was the the same version that they had it i think e3 
Uh, so okay. it didn't have all the characters in the roster. It had most of them, but it, there were still a few that were unannounced. And mm. during that time, I got added by a friend at the time who worked for Nintendo to the uh, to one of the internal alphas, uh, which was awesome, by the way. Being added to a Nintendo alpha is a, is a incredible, but you also have to basically sign yourself over to... Um, like they could probably kill you if you reveal any information. It's really strict. Uh, but but now that the, the NDA is passed on that, it's fine. I can talk about it. And plus, there's no spoilers yeah. here. And yes. one of the characters was a wireframe model that I was convinced was Banjo-Kazooie. Mm. And at the time, there was a leak. Uh, it was referred to as the Grinch leak. Uh, yes, yes. If you remember that, yeah, that was the leak where it was... Th- because it was something to do with, like, Grinch um, there was, marketing. It was, yeah, it was, there was a marketing firm that was doing the advertising for the Grinch movie that was coming out, but was also apparently doing, well, allegedly was also doing the marketing for uh, Smash Ultimate that was coming out. Yes. So they had like, you know, there was, you could see a picture of the Grinch in the background. So yeah, before the, the Grinch leak. Yeah. And then yeah. there was like Banjo-Kazooie, uh, mm. Ken. Um, yes. and, and in fact, let me, let me Google the Grinch leak. Hang on. I want to mm. Smash Bros. Grinch leak. Let me just take a look. I think ultimately it pro- it turned out to be a f- fake. It was leak. fake. So right? it had the yeah, chorus kids yeah. in it. It had Ken, Shadow, Mac Ryder, Isaac, and Gino. <laughs> oh the God, only Gino. Ca- it also had Banjo Kazooie, but the only character it did have was Banjo Kazooie. And I was like, yeah. I was confirming the leak with with a group that I was in at the time. I was like, yep, that's real. It's it's real because the 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 wireframe model I was playing was Banjo Kazooie. It was mm. fucking Joker. It was Joker <laughs> at the time. Um, <laughs> Arsene, the character that yes. spawns when he goes ultimate, was permanent. Yep. So I was, and, and to me, the wireframe just looked like Kazooie on the back of Banjo. Like it was obviously Banjo Kazooie. Yes. Um, and I get the feeling there might have been hedging between the two characters, and like maybe because it was only a wireframe. So mm. I was like, yep, it's absolutely Banjo Kazooie. He's real. And then they announced Joker, and I was like, everything I know is a lie, <laughs> <laughs> which really sucked. Because to to, oh, to to be in the middle of all that, and then to think, okay, you've been lied to as well. You, it, yeah. it's awful. Like it sucks. Uh, That's but a I, great I just, story, though. Yeah, but there's a lot of stories <laughs> like that. I mean, as time goes on through this podcast, you'll probably hear a few more mm. random games industry stories. Like like with Erin last week, we could have talked for days on some of the stuff that we went through. That There's a lot of people in the industry that you uh, come across that are very eccentric or very unique, and there's a thousand stories attached to each one. I've got 101 stories about Chris Metzen, for example, but I'm not going to say any <laughs> of them right now, because some of them may not be appropriate. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but he's one of the old founders of Blizzard, so... Mm. There's that. Um, but so back to the uh, Mario Anniversary point. Um, yes. You're, you're a Mario fan. You played Mario Sunshine. You played Galaxy. You've mm-hmm. obviously played Mario 64 because I think at birth people are required to play that now. Yeah, basically. Yes. Uh, I mean, I have one of these uh, weird... Uh, I don't know if you have the same thing. I'm Well, I basically I have... Do you ever have these like... Um, uh, what's it called? Like irrational fears of things that should not be that scary in video games. But no. you just got them because you were young growing up. Okay, <laughs> so here's the example. Piano, no, not the piano. Oh. Funnily enough, it's literally just the eight-star door. I don't know what eight it is about. Door. The, there's in like you know the first door that you go in to get to the first Bowser in Mario 64. Um, I don't oh, know why this is the thing. Yeah. Okay. The way you run down the corridor and then you fall down the hole. That one. Yeah, yeah, and then the picture of and the picture of Peach turns into the picture of Bowser. Yeah. For some reason, as a kid, that used to just be the scariest shit to me. Wow. I think I think I have a thing where I had the same thing. I think it's just me and doors. I don't know why, but it, like it, like in Diddy Kong Racing, uh, if you ever played that on the N64, uh, yes, I had a lot. 
Yeah, I had the same thing with the doors in the in, in the overworld of Diddy Kong Racing, where there's just these giant doors that would just be like scared of them for no particular reason. Well, I just found them irritating because yeah. they didn't open properly. You have yeah. to drive at certain angles to make them open, and it was really annoying. <laughs> Man, Diddy Kong Racing, though, there's a game I haven't thought about in a very long time. I loved that, and the music of that game was, was so great. good. Oh, yeah. Um, <sighs> and there were so many Easter eggs and like hidden things in that game, like unlocking mm-hmm. the the chicken. And yes. uh, the clock. You can play as the clock as well, TikTok. Yep. yep. Um, and I, I think I only ever killed, um, is it Whizpig? Whizpig. Whizpig, yeah. I think I only ever killed him once. Because like, I spent mm. most of my time in like the Christmas area of that game because I just loved the, oh, the music. Yeah. Exactly that one. Yeah. It was what? Four levels per zone? Four levels? Yes, four. Four. And then there was a. There was the fifth secret uh, space zone that you could unlock. Yes, after, but, yeah. after you killed Whizpig and unlocked all the yeah. stuff up. So, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. See, that was a game as well that I'm surprised we've never seen a remaster for. Yeah, uh, I, but... I think it. I think it did come out on DS, right? It they did, but it I DS, I feel like because of Microsoft's like tenuous relationship with Rare now. Mm, uh, uh, sorry, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Rare's tenuous relationship, I should say, because they're three very separate companies. Uh, yes. Although Rare is owned by Microsoft and. We've got Banjo Kazooie and Smash. So basically, what we're saying is Diddy Kong Racing is confirmed for a September release, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That'd be lovely. But it would be nice to have that on the Switch, like, because I feel like mm. uh, with Mario Kart, um, if, if you remember when they announced Mario Kart on the Switch, they promised that the Switch would get its own unique version of Mario Kart and not just this one that was bought over from the Wii U. Yeah. And we're now, what, three years into the Switch? Where is it? I'm not seeing another Mario Kart. So mm. I wouldn't be surprised if they do kind of hedge to Diddy Kong. Yeah. Um, just to kind of gap fill until that, because they've just released Pod Racer as well, which released yes. to no applause and no interest. Because I can't believe they released that. Yeah, it's it's not. It hasn't aged well either. Like it wasn't no. good then. It was good in the arcades, but it wasn't good on the N sixty four. Um, and it's not aged well at all. I remember playing it a lot, but if you were to ask me specifically what I liked about the game, I I could not tell you. I, I, I just do... remember it being really hard. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, I remember it being difficult, but I don't know why I enjoyed it. Like, I, I there's nothing that really stands out. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because it was so. Oh, excuse me, have you? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've got the the Mario anniversary coming up, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if they then follow that up with like Zelda um, Wind Waker HD because mm. we're in, <sighs> we're in that period now where um, they've said that most of the games on the Wii U have now been transferred over to the Switch. And everyone is waiting for the Wind Waker HD. I I'll really, really that. want that game back. I, I love, I love Wind Waker. Yeah, I love Wind Waker. And I was yeah, surprised because I I, initially when I started playing Wind Waker, I didn't like it at all. I hated mm. the, the art style. I hated the combat. Everything about it was just like, this isn't Zelda. And that mm. was really, I think, the first time in the Zelda series where Nintendo turned around to everyone else and said, no, Zelda is what we make it every time. Yeah. Like each new adventure in the Zelda universe needs to feel like a new adventure and a new story. Um, mm. And it does. Like, So if you remember when they released Ocarina of Time, it blew everyone's minds because it was suddenly mm-hmm. like this 3D Zelda. And then they moved on to Majora's Mask, which was like a very divisive title because of the time limit thing, the active time limit. Yeah. At that point, I was like, okay, this is probably as far as we're ever going to see Zelda go. And then the they started to release the footage for Wind Waker, and I was like, what the hell are they doing to my beloved series? Like, why are they breaking it? <laughs> and then yeah. I played it, and I just could not stop playing it. Like, gathering the maps, gathering the little photos, the pictograms, whatever they call the pictographs. Yep. Um, all uh, of pictographs, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all of it just, just molded together into this incredible game. And I mean, it was the first 
sort of Zelda. Well, at least it's definitely the first Zelda, but also one of the first games to really give me that genuine sense of like open world adventure. You know, like just sailing yeah. on the open sea yeah. and kind of just being like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to come across, but you know, I'm going to have a blast <laughs> doing it. You know, sort of thing. Um, yeah, that no, game, that's fair. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, we've got a lot to look forward to this year, I think, with Nintendo. But the the Switch is definitely coming to the end of its life, uh, or the the end of its kind of uh, wow, like it's wow, not not wow. What would you call it? Like it's. Um, I, I think we're probably uh, going to be looking next year uh, to to like a Switch Two or like a Switch HD or something. Um, Switch Pro. Yeah, exactly that kind of thing. That's what I'm yeah. trying to get at because um, I think they're they are starting to realise the popularity of the system, but the heavy limitations of the system as well. Because yes. it is just a fancy tablet, effectively, isn't it? It's mm. That's all it is with two plastic things stuck on the side of it that sometimes slot in the wrong way around and you have to spend 20 minutes shoving a knife down there to get them back out again. Because <laughs> for some reason, someone at Nintendo's engineering department decided it was going to be a good idea to let pe- let children slide those plastic clips on the wrong way and then get them wedged, which I have issues with, but I'm, we'll leave that for another podcast. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, I guess we can move on to the fact that we're now, as we mentioned, we're talking, uh, we're, sorry, we're moving through lockdown. Uh, we're coming to the end of the, the initial first wave is what they're calling it. But I'm, I'm not sure how we refer to it because I still feel like we're right in the middle of the first wave and the numbers are going up. Uh, yeah. But with that, the cinemas are going to start reopening. And I think we mentioned last week um, the Nolan movie, which, again, I've completely forgotten the name of. Tenet. Tenet, thank you. And that's the first one I'm probably going to go back and see. Mm. Um, I don't know. Is there anything on your list that's kind of urging you to put your life at risk and go out into the wide, <laughs> wide world and get a, you know, a, a glo- globally dis- destructive pandemic? Like, you know, what, what's encouraging you to get back out there? To be honest, I'm not uh, like in terms of films that are coming out that I'm kind of aware of. There's only two I'm really like I the, I'm probably I'm sure if you named more I'd probably know I'd probably be there oh yeah of course but right now the only ones I can really think of is yeah Tenet and um the new James Bond film uh what's it called no no time to die is that right uh something it's something like yeah it's something like that I can't remember what something like that is. yeah so I, and I know it's Dune. got rap Dune yeah I thought you would have said Dune like Dune Dune oh I Dune. I've, I've see okay so I've I've not I know about Dune because uh, my da- it's like one of my dad's fa- it's my dad's favorite book, and uh, I know that it inspired like the RTS that inspired Supreme Commander, which is one of my favorite, which is one of my favorite games. Mm. Um, so I know I've I've heard a lot about like Dune, but I've never I don't actually know or have never actually looked into what it is. But I know that this is kind of like a big thing. Right? Pretty similar for me, I would say. Like, not mm. I mean I know a bit more about it than than it sounds like you may know, but. Uh, nothing that would kind of give me a, a strong understanding of what it actually is. Yeah. Right, yeah. But I'm looking forward to seeing the remake of that to see how, how I enjoy it. But uh, so the James Bond one, mm. I guess yeah. you're a fan of the series. The franchise. I like, I mean, I like, I, I like James Bond. I mean, it's just like, you know, standard action film, kind of just watch it and, you know, it's fun. I yeah, don't they, know. They I, sit I, back I, and enjoy movies, aren't they? They're just Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like Rami Malek. So, you know, I, uh, from watching him through, um, Mr. Robot, uh, I really like that series on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to see how he how he is as a villain. In, oh, um, did you see him in Bohemian Rhapsody? So no, I have not seen Bohemian Rhapsody. But I heard God. he did a really good job. I, I'm, I I'm almost really positive good. that wasn't Rami Malek. I'm I'm pretty sure it was just Freddie Mercury. 
at one mm. point because he just embodied him. Like he got the role so close and so well done. It was really really cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you, you're right. Like there's not really much coming out. Like I'm having a little scroll through the list of upcoming movies and stuff, and the the one that I can see that I'm really disappointed by is Artemis Fowl. Um, uh, so Disney have decided to make their own version of Artemis Fowl and, and initially when they announced it, they were saying they're going to be really true to the original story and keep things really accurate and close. And then they, they released the trailer and it's, 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 it's nothing like the books in any way, shape or form. Like the, the storyline pretty much start to finish just doesn't make sense. Um, and Artemis Fowl is a bunch of like young adult, late teen books. Um, so yeah. it is kind of for like older kids. Uh, but it's still really annoying to see that that thing that I know the storyline for is just being decimated by Disney. And it's such a shame because they've picked really good actors, the special effects look amazing, but just the story just does not match up at all. And and it it really comes away from what Artemis Fowl is, which is this kind of mean little kid who's a boy genius and super rich and has unlimited money being sort of uh, pushed away by this hidden fairy world that he discovers, uh, like, as like a second world connected to to ours and they're they're sort of working with him but in a way where their job is to keep him away from the secrets and his job is to kind of get to the secrets but in the movie it's like uh, it's like spy kids (laughs) it doesn't make sense oh no so which is a shame Uh, but artemis fowl is one that i uh, i'm not really looking forward to and then there's the Mm. bill and ted um movie oh yeah yeah did you see the trailer you and Aaron kind of touched on it. Uh, what's it last week? But, yeah. Uh, no, I, ha- I haven't. I haven't had a, look, a chance to look at the trailer uh, yet. But, it's yeah. it's something. It's, oh, I, I don't know what that's supposed to be. Um, but otherwise, I can't really think of anything that's like. I mean, I guess there's Mulan, the mm-hmm. the, the 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 remake, the the live action one. Yes. Which was supposed to be coming out in I think, like, March or April or something, and now it's in August. Uh, mm. Looks cool. Music looks cool. Yeah. Again, nothing particularly groundbreaking, though. Just another thing. Yeah. Uh, and then let me just see if I can spot anything. Oh, New Mutants. There we go. The, Is that X-Men? The X-Men one, yes. With the, the ah. kind of the, the horror version of X-Men. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, it's the one with Maisie Williams in it. Oh, cool. Yes, uh, that's looking very cool. And every time I see a trailer for that, like they've completely changed what the movie is. <laughs> mm. But it's still looking amazing. So, so I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be good. Yeah, um, I recently went back and watched, because on Disney Plus, uh, you can watch a lot of the X-Men films. So I went back and watched, uh, what was it, Days of Future Past. and Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it, First Class. And yeah, those yep. films are pretty good. You know? They're not I great, like but they're good. I, li- I, li- I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Days, Days of Future Past. I think they hold up. Like they, yeah, they hold up yeah. well. Yeah. And then we've got Quiet Place Part 2 as well, which is one that I'm looking oh, forward to. Oh, wow. Surprised to see Emily Blunt and uh, what's his name? John Krasinski, who are husband yes. and wife in real life and husband and wife in the movie. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he's, well... He's, wait, well, mm, no spoilers. Yeah, let's not say that, but um, I doubt he's going to be in the second one. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's directing it, though. Um, okay. But no, excited for that, because the, the first one, uh, I remember watching it and feeling... Almost like I was betraying people in the audience when I was eating popcorn. Because <laughs> it was so quiet. And just, yeah. anytime you made a noise, you're like, I'm really sorry. And, and mm. you, everyone was silent, apart from my boyfriend at the time who was breathing like a freight train. It was like, <laughs> all the way through the movie. And we had arguments after that. <laughs> are, you sure, are you sure he wasn't one of the monsters? He know? probably could have been. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so otherwise, I'm, I'm not really coming up with anything else that's, that's on its way. 
Um, mm. I guess. So, I mean, with, with the situ- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I'm interested to see Tenet because you know Christopher Nolan, you know Inception. That I think his films are generally pretty entertaining to watch, if even if you don't really you're not really into yeah. that kind of thing. But you know, I've read so I haven't really read too much in Tenet, but I remember seeing the trailer and being like, you know, it seems kind of cool. Uh, something to do with like, I think there's some kind of like relation to Inception or something. Uh, I've heard, but so that would be interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, you know. I, I guess the only other one I can think of is Black Widow. Um, oh yeah, I forgot that was coming out. Which is another way of kind of closing off the the current Marvel universe, I think. Mm. Uh, but this this one leads into uh, is, is it Phase Four they're on now? The the Marvel roadmap is so complicated. Yeah, but I think they're moving yeah, into Phase right. Four, um, mm. which is like looking at how uh, what's her name Natasha Romanov, mm. looking at where she came from and how she became who she was. But what I think that's starting to panic the Marvel universe is a lot of those actors are starting to get a little bit older now. Yeah, and it's quite difficult to do origin stories when you're dealing with people who are like in their late forties, early fifties, or even leading into their sixties. Yes, because um, you can't just like overseas your them and put them into the 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 young face that they had. Like, because you get what happened with uh, Princess Leia in Star Wars, where they tried yeah. to show you a younger version of her, and she's just like this glowing CGI monster. Like, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we've got um, Black Widow coming up, mm-hmm. um, and that's about it. I can't think of anything else. If something yeah, like I think. Pretty comprehensive list. Yeah, it's a shame we're in a bit of a quiet time of the year at the moment for for anything entertainment wise. Mm, um, I think we will be for for a while until. But I think like next year, next year, and there will suddenly be like an explosion of like all these things that were supposed to come out during you know <laughs> very COVID related as last well. Last year, 20, it's kind of like here's twenty twenty as it should have been. Yeah, you know, sort of thing, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's but... this year has definitely been a year of pause for many people. Like. Uh, it's Definitely. something I've been very well aware of. Like I've been in almost stasis this year because, uh, without mentioning it on the podcast, but you knew that there was going to be a different progress for me this year. I was going to yes. be somewhere else in the world. I was going to be doing something very different, uh, and obviously that all kind of went to hell because uh, there was a pandemic that no one could plan for. Um, yes. But I think what we've all done is we, we've all had time to kind of take stock of what's important, mm. uh, and that's you know time with your family, time with your friends, even doing things like this where you you actually get together and build something creative. Like focusing mm, on something that has an impact is is cool. I'm I'm glad with yeah. that. But <laughs> the next point on our list is hot fuzz and the lack of great referential movies. Okay. And I know <laughs> that is a very confusing point. So for context, um, I went to see my parents this weekend and we had a couple of hours to do nothing. So I put hot fuzz on. And I haven't right. seen it for, I'd probably say about seven or eight years. Okay. I put it on and immediately realized how different Simon Pegg looked then compared to how yes. it was how he was now. I looked it up. I realized the movie was like 2007, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, or it's maybe 2013. It's, it's, it, it is quite an old movie, Yeah. considering I still look at it and think that's quite a new movie. And I realized that like every moment of that movie was written to reference something or tell uh, like a hidden backstory. So you've got the Cornetto trilogy. Uh, you, you know the Cornetto trilogy? No. So, so it's it's the three Simon Pegg movies. So Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, and The World's End Tavern, or whatever it's called, At World's End. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're referred I've to as the Cornetto them. trilogy because they, they're all linked together by the conversation around Cornetto. And like, oh, really? they're always like, I'm going to go to the shop. What do you want? It's like, oh, I don't know, maybe get me a Cornetto. And then in the next one, that same line is again. So that's why they're linked together. It's stupid stuff like that. <laughs> but all of them have great. these ongoing link ups, like uh, actors that appear in the background that appear in all three of them. 
um, concepts and shops and cars and, and things that are present in all three movies. And I just, I can't really think of anything that has, has been since Shaun of the Dead that's kind of had that level of like complex world building, like mm. real depth and real, um, like real meat to what you're watching. And it's that, like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It's like the small things, right? Which are, they, they're, they're, it's not like the overarching plot points, or you know, it's not like you know, you look at something like Ready Player One, where it's like you know, very, very much so referential, but you know, kind of you know, nostalgic, like trying to trigger nostalgia in a checklist kind of way. I feel Ready yes. Player One was like we've got exactly right. We've, we've got know. the eighties song in there. Now we've got the eighties food. Now we've mm. got Pepsi from how it looked in the eighties, like all that kind of stuff. Like they just went down a checklist and did it, but still appreciate it because I love Ready Player One. It was a good movie. Mm. Um, but you know what? So, but what you're more referring to is kind of like, yeah, like these three mi- films are kind of, you know, they're not actually related to each other in terms of plot, but in terms of yeah, just like referencing small things within each film, right? So it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of built this like su- this like you know web, this kind of like hidden web of like you know references to each other. To, I think to that's me, cool. it's it's giving the audience this connection to a movie that they normally wouldn't have a connection to. And it's giving people the chance to kind of look deeper into things and think, oh, there's some really clever writing here. Like something here makes sense and it makes sense yeah. there. Like, and you can connect those things together. Um, I mean, you could go deeper into these kind of things and look at the um, the ever-expanding universe. We can go back to Smash Brothers and talk here. But <laughs> there's this concept that every single game, movie, and TV series is linked uh, yes. through like these dimensional jumps. And it's something that I remember reading on Reddit like 10 or 15 years ago. And what you do, there's these games that you hear on like BBC, uh, BBC News, not BBC News, uh, BBC Radio One, and other 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 like radio shows, where they do mm. these tenuous link games, where you say like, okay, you have to get from Tom Hanks to Scarlett Johansson in three jumps, and you have to go through movies. And mm. someone then started doing that with like games, movies, and TV, and and suddenly realised that there are a lot more links than you think, because you can actually link Will Smith to Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Because uh, there's a movie with Will Smith and Jaden in it, and his son Jaden. I think it's actually um, I Am Legend, and in yeah, one of the flash- or- yeah, go on. in one of the flashbacks, Jaden's playing World of Warcraft. So mm. from there, you can go from World of Warcraft to pretty much anything, because World of Warcraft is actually connected to Smash Brothers. Yeah. So hear me out on this one. World of Warcraft has um, StarCraft Two references in it everywhere, and there's there's constantly like uh, so the the actual planet Azeroth is in the same mm. galaxy as um, Ior. Which is the planet oh, in, really? in StarCraft? Well, not the same galaxy, yeah. the same universe. Io, sorry, yeah, yeah uh, they're all yeah. in the same universe. So if you get to Io from Azeroth, you can find Metroids, and there are Metroids hidden just off screen in in a few levels of StarCraft Two. <laughs> so you know that somehow those Metroids have travelled through a portal from Metroid or or Smash Brothers or any Nintendo title, and from there mm. you can get from Will Smith to Kirby, and it. it actually makes lateral sense if you subscribe to the idea that all the universes are linked yeah yeah um, but like, i just appreciate the fact that those references while they're easter eggs are they exist and I, I feel like whether i just don't notice them anymore or more they just don't exist anymore they're just not there in newer mm. movies because uh, you know with franchises and stuff they tend to be we've got the franchise reference we've ticked a few boxes we've put some classic 80s music in there we've done it but yeah, I, I do feel like uh, a lot of the movies I'm seeing recently are not really very meaty. They don't have that world building. They don't have that mm. that belief that the person watching it can kind of make these connections. Yeah, the attention to detail, right? Or yeah, it's like the, the hidden. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I get yeah. what you mean. Mm. Um, but that—that's my point about Hot Fuzz and the lack of great referential movies. Maybe I'm just getting old. 
and I'm just being grumpy <laughs> and I'm not on TikTok, so I don't understand all that kind of stuff. But um, we have seen, so uh, we went to the park recently, uh, middle of lockdown, or near the end of lockdown, we went to the park and had like a 10 meter social distance meetup. And we saw yes. these two teenage girls doing a TikTok dance and they just kept yep. repeating it over and over again. And it was, it was actually fascinating to watch. Yeah. It was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I have seen a lot of, uh, yeah, people doing like TikTok dances. Well, I, yeah. I assume they're doing it for TikTok. I mean, I hope so. Instagram or some, whatever, any other kind of social media platform. But you know, yeah, well, I'm just hoping there's not some darker intent here, and it's it's for something else. But no, it's definitely for TikTok. Oh no. Um, yes. yes. But yeah, so I'm I'm wondering whether it is because I'm just getting older, or because the industry has kind of staled a little bit, and we're at a point now where there isn't really much happening innovation-wise. And it does happen in gaming and movies. Every five or ten years, there is a stale point. Mm. Uh, and it usually then is followed by um, movie companies releasing. So, like, if you remember The Prestige, which was a movie about um, uh, stage magicians. Yes. At the same time, there was an identical movie released by another company called... Um, it was The Prestige and... Uh, not Greatest Showman, but it was something, and it was two movies that had pretty much the same storyline. And then the same thing happened with Lucy and Limitless. Yes, uh, that one. Yeah, that one yeah. I know more intimately. It's yeah. this. It's this weird concept that um, one movie studio makes this movie, and then another movie, ma- another studio makes the same movie, and they both release it at the same time, and people just kind of go, "Okay, what? so that exists." Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. we're heading into that stage again now. And then mm. we'll start hitting innovation again, which is where I think innovation kind of came around with the the, the reboot of the Marvel series. Mm. And that, that's when we started to see like loads of other movies trying different things and stuff. I um, think, yeah, I, I think on that note, like in terms of like media and um, being original, I don't know, this is maybe just my personal opinion on it, but oh, like there's no, there's nothing to really back this up. But I feel like because <laughs> as we go on and you know, as we archive more things and we get better at archiving these kinds of um, forms of media and storytelling and stuff like that. I feel like it's just going to, we're going to reach a point where it's just getting increasingly harder to be original, if you get what I mean, right? Of course, yeah. Or, or like uh, innovative. So, and, and the other thing is, you know, you can also argue the influence, the more influence of like uh, business and profit and, you know, people want to make safe decisions and safe bets, you know, in terms of like, uh, making money so it's easier to 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 play off of these you know concepts that you know have worked before and you kind of you know innovate them in in quotation marks sometimes you don't even have to innovate them that much uh, and you just re-release it and it will generally you know be pretty safe generation of income as opposed to creating something completely new or coming from a place of like passion like you know for example when you're talking about you know making these you know if you're saying talking about um is his name simon Pegg? sorry is that yeah simon Pegg is the developer yeah, simon for, Pegg. Uh, the, the producer for... <laughs> developer. <laughs> uh, uh the, yeah the the producer or the director writer for these films these cornetto trilogy films yeah. that you're talking about right and you can tell that he's kind of got this very he's very passionate and he's got a, a high attention to detail and you know that stuff that kind of attention to detail that's there doesn't really need to be there it's that he wants to add that because he's passionate about that kind of thing right and it's you can tell it's like a very personal thing like you know a, a business executive didn't say you should add in those secret references so that that gives a monetary benefit to that kind of thing right so i feel like as we go on and there's more like you know we're kind of getting into Things getting it's harder to be more original, and films are costing more to make. And um, you know, 
there's more of a business incentive to make things that are successful. You kind of lose, it's harder to find these kind of small things or these kind of passions in these, uh, you know, these bigger films, right? Yeah. And I guess that's why the kind of, you know, you if you, I guess if you're looking for that kind of detail, or at least for me, I can speak from my experience with video games, right? You know, this is why I'm hugely into um, indie games as opposed to like AAA titles, like for example. Like I would much rather play uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisp, which is a game that's made by a relatively small studio versus playing something like uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which might look visually incredible, but in terms of providing like an original gameplay experience, it's kind of like, you know, it's just a samurai you know, brawler kind of game, right? Yeah, yeah open world you, samurai game. I think you know, because you, you sort of know what you're going to get in those games, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Whereas Ori and the the sequel and, and quite a few other games that have come out recently mm. give you this element of surprise. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, there's so many innovative, like, I guess that's where, like, you know, you're finding, you're going to find the, innov- the innovation and the passion from these kind of smaller indie titles, right? Or like, you know, these yeah. things made by small teams. Um, like for example, another indie game. It's not really a story-based one, but um, it's a game called One Step from Eden. I've been playing it on Switch. Uh, it's a roguelike, and it's kind of influenced by uh, Mega Man Battle Network. But I'd never played that, so this is like completely new for me. Um, but that's an example of like it's made by one guy. Uh, probably he had help with. I think his name is Thomas Moon Kang, but he had help with art and some other um probably concepting and stuff like that but in terms of like the actual project and the coding and you know the ui the pixel art everything he did it all himself and it's such uh, an incredible roguelike like you can see like he spent a lot of time and it has a lot of those referential things that you're talking about as well right well maybe it's more of like the check mark type because you know all the there's, you choose these cards which give you abilities yep. and each you can see like each card has like a reference to some kind of game or something like that like you know for example there's a there's a spell called pyroblast and the the flavor text just like says lethal in all caps which is obviously <laughs> a reference to hearthstone right you know um stuff which like is that. A I, to world of warcraft Yes, exactly, right? <laughs> so double tier. Uh, the portals. There yeah, you go. There you go. You <laughs> Jumping through them. Well, um, um, Hearthstone is, is actually originally called Heroes of Warcraft, by the way. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was Hearthstone colon Heroes of Golden Warcraft. Heroes it, was, of Warcraft. It, was, it was supposed to just be Warcraft the card game. Mm. Uh, but yeah, side story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, and I guess that's it, right? You know, you got you got if you want these kind of like smaller passionate referential things where people are paying a lot of attention to detail because they know people will appreciate that kind of thing i think you kind of really have to go to these uh it's kind of rare to see them in these like big blockbuster things right you know yeah true. Although i i say that i feel like the marvel films in terms of like i bet but i guess that's kind of because they've built this cinematic universe right but i feel like the marvel films have a lot of those smaller references to each other maybe not in the same sort of just for the hell of it way is like uh you know the um cornetto trilogy but you know yeah i think the the marvel films that you can tell that because the, the amount of writers and people involved in those things that they've naturally developed things like awareness of memes so mm. um i mean this is a bad example because it's not a marvel film but uh one of the x-men movies had the juggernaut in it and there's this cartoon series um well it was actually a, a dubbing of the original x-men cartoon uh referring to the juggernaut and there's this line in it where it's like i'm the juggernaut bitch bitch and he uses that line in the movie and i was just like that's pretty cool someone's aware of of that and they're trying to reference nerd culture there and i found like the marvel universe did that to some extent um Mm. but i'm not sure if again if i'm not sure if it was it was out of like passion or if it was just because they they felt like they were checking boxes Mm. like when um 
what's her name? Not Wonder Woman. Um, Captain Marvel lands in Blockbuster Video. That yeah. to me was just because they just wanted to say this is being set in 1980 something. Yeah. And that was all that was for. Like, I don't think it was supposed to be a reference for Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I do wonder how they got that, the ability to use the Blockbuster logo, because who owns that logo anymore? <laughs> I have no idea. There must be someone out there, like, holding on to that patent, like, like backed against a wall as all these big corporations are coming towards it saying, give it to us. And, and yeah, like, no, no, over. Blockbuster's coming back. <laughs> Netflix came back. <laughs> I can do it too. Um, but yeah so I do think that it it is present it's just it doesn't feel like it's as present as it used to be but again I'm aware that I am getting older so maybe I'm just being a bit more jaded towards how media is presented to the world Mm. Um, but I mean I'm just aware of time because we've only got a few minutes left and I did want to kind of bring up the point about uh, musical moments in gaming because we touched on this before and we actually touched on this with uh, Mario Galaxy and what I'm referring to here is um, those moments in a game where the, where you stop playing because the music takes you aback for a moment or mm-hmm. like stands out to you. And you mentioned um, uh, Hollow... No, I mentioned Hollow Knight, actually, wasn't you? Hollow Knight, yeah. Uh, oh, and, I mean, yeah. And you mentioned Mario Galaxy, mm. uh, specifically referring to Gusty Garden. Uh, can yes. you think of any other any other games where you've really had that moment of like, wow, this is incredible? Oh, I mean, I had it with Ori <laughs> over the weekend. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> yeah, like um, just there's a moment where you are... I, f- oh, I forgot specifically. I mean, the, the moments when you're escaping from the tree and the waters all gushing in, like in the first game, that's like incredible. And the music is so good. But for me, in terms of uh, specific moments, I've noticed there is like a, I, I very much have a, uh, for lack of a better term, trigger in terms of like what gets me, what, you know, ha- makes me have that emotional response mm. to, to music, which is it specifically has to have piano or violins. <laughs> if it do, if it does not have piano or violins, it it's very difficult for me to have that kind of yeah. Thing, I get that, that kind of thing. Yeah, it, 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 uh, the, those two instruments specifically have a very soulful, um, yeah, deep feeling to them that, that usually connects to like more dramatic music. Exactly um, right. Yeah. yeah, so I guess that that that's probably well. Like, you don't really get someone playing a mandolin. <laughs> oh, this is the moment for me, the mandolin. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd love to hear it. You know, I'd, I'd love to try it. You know, but, that, but that, uh, they've also there've been moments, not necessarily in gaming, but there've been moments of music where people have been playing like a ukulele, and I've been like, wow, this is like um, mm. somewhere over the rainbow played on the ukulele is is a beautiful thing to listen to. And I, if I mm. remember rightly, that was in Fifty First Dates with uh, Adam Sandler and Drew Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Yeah, maybe Drew Barrymore. I can't remember the, the people, but there's a moment where he sings um, "Forgetful Lucy" on a ukulele, and for, mm. for an Adam Sandler movie, which is usually like low tier crap comedy, um, that really gave me a moment of like, wow, this is a moment to actually feel an emotion in a movie that I didn't think that, that was going to hit me with. Mm. Um, and I get that in games every now and again, like Final Fantasy games do it to me every time because they're incredible. Yep. Um, and then there's, there's this moment in World of Warcraft as well where you get to um, Northrend, uh, which is the first expansion. It's the Wrath of the Lich King expansion. Mm. You get to Northrend, uh, and there's this area called Grizzly Hills, which is uh, like a Nordic-inspired area. So it's inspired by like um, the Netherlands, Sweden, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's all very foresty, very hilly. I mean, it's a series of hills that are quite grizzly because they're covered in bears, Grizzly Hills. And the music is just such a far step away from what you're used to in World of Warcraft. And you sort of have this moment where you do stop and you find a space where you're not being attacked and there's no one around. And you just listen because you've got like the rivers running down the hill and the kind of the the, the, like the, the, the babbling brook noise. 
Um, mm. And then you've got the wind kind of blowing through the trees because it's like icy cold wind kind of going like, through the trees. Mm. And then you've got this music, which is just so powerful and so slow and relaxing. You, you can't help but stop. And there, there have been multiple to- points when I've been playing that game where I've been in Grizzly Hills and obviously been to it a million times since then. And I've seen people just sitting like and listening. And you can tell they're listening to the music. Mm. You don't you don't want to go up and ruin it for them because they're probably having that same moment. Usually in World of Warcraft, you go up to people and you stab them and kill them and you know, ruin their day. But, <laughs> yeah, of course. But you but... can sort of see they're having that same experience. And you're like, okay, leave them to it. Mm. And it's cool. Like, I don't get to see that very often anymore. I mean, yeah, that's that's a very unique thing. I'm not really... I'm, to be honest, I've not really heard of before. Well, where yeah, I guess where you're playing like this multiplayer experience, but I guess you know you can see these people having that moment of uh, I assume you know, with, having with that music. Moment. Yeah, you can assume they could it, also but... be having dinner or like <laughs> <laughs> alt tabbed playing Hearthstone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um... uh, I like to think that they're listening to the music. Um, mm. But yeah, so like I think we've pretty much gone over everything this week, and it, it has been a bit of a difficult one because there's not really much happening in gaming right now. But yeah, we've got announcements coming up. We've got obviously this uh, Mario anniversary coming up in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's going to be stuff happening in September as well. I've kind of got inklings of of things. We've also got uh, what would have been BlizzCon coming up in November, uh, where we do usually see other announcements. Then we've got Cyberpunk coming up at the end of the year as well. Uh, And I'm also super hyped because I've got GTA V being finally released because it's it's been literally months since that game has been released on another console. And it's about time we got it on a new one. So so excited to play. Can't wait to play GTA GTA V again for no reason. Um, (laughs) Which, by the way, the storyline is incredible for that game, but the online multiplayer is awful. It's horrible. Mm. It's it's well Mm. done, but it's awful. Uh, but yeah so I think that covers the podcast for this week and thank you everyone for listening if you have been um, you can follow us at Sunfire Tavern on Twitter and Instagram even though we're not really posting much on Instagram yet but we will be soon uh, you can also uh, listen to us on SoundCloud iTunes and Spotify and we usually upload around uh, 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening might be a bit later tonight because I've got some housey stuff to get done first um, but yeah, we upload every Monday, so and we're always looking for people to join us. So if you want to come and join us, drop us yep. uh, drop us a tweet. Uh, I don't know, Ollie, if you've got any closing remarks. Uh, I think you've covered most of it. Just saying, <laughs> thanks again for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, yeah, hear you next week. Cool. Well, take care. Bye. All right. See you guys. <laughs>